A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter on Twitter. How's everybody do tonight? Today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening. Hope everyone's doing marvelous. Um, yeah, welcome back to another episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the support of the show. I'm going to hammer it home every time. You're probably bored of hearing me say it, but... Truly, I don't keep going unless you guys keep listening. So, really grateful and thankful for the support in the podcast bracket. Sweet 16, baby. Here we go. Um, pretty wild that I'm even in this tournament and that, you know, Sweet 16 time. So, shout out to Baseball Pods, Chris, for putting it together and for really... Putting in the grind to let other podcasts shine. Came up with this rhyme on the last. Uh, I just like it. I think it should be a t-shirt. But anyway, big ups to Chris. He's awesome. Really gives a chance for the some podcasts who get, maybe are not being heard as much as they should to get some spotlight. And I know I picked up a couple of new podcasts. Um, try to listen to as much as I can. As much time there is in a day, but shout out to everyone who's doing it, you know, putting in the work to provide something enjoyable for everyone to listen to. Um, love every single one of you guys. You're just killing it, you know, just a great community for anyone putting in the time to get behind a mic, give people not only their advice, but, you know, also getting involved with drafts and you know, you're putting your content out there for people to maybe use against you. So, again, real big shout out. Um, it's, it's not easy. The prep work and uh, I know what I have to do is really, really dive into my guests and making sure that I know a lot about them as much as I can. And, you know, really asking some questions that I think revolves around the, the actual person they are and what they provide so um not like you just roll out of bed and call someone up and get behind a mic so i know what it takes to put it in and to provide a good show for everyone who's doing it god bless you guys keep it rolling um you guys are my motivation and my inspiration to keep going too so i take notes on what it takes to do a better podcast from everybody who's doing out there so all right i'll stop gushing about that but um Again, thank you for everyone who's le- left a rating or review for the show. That's awesome. Been sending in your screenshots of your reviews. Send it to me at Deadpool Hitter on Twitter. I'm sending out swag. 
stickers, fridge magnets, baseball cards of your favorite players for you, your kids, whatever. It's all fun. So I want to share that with you guys. So keep it coming. A whole bunch of support is amazing. Thank you. So on this episode, I got a chance to talk to Rudy Gamble from Razball.com, the co-founder of Razball and the brains behind the projection model that they use there and the player raider and the weekly projections that I was kept hearing everyone talk about during the season that I had to get involved with to up my fab game. Um, so it's my first year using it. I'm excited to bring that tool into the the tool belt and um, doing my fabs and setting my lineup for the week. Rudy will get into it, but he does a ton of work in putting into the projections, but also team context, player context. A um, whole bunch of wonderful stuff goes into it. Really bright guy with um, awesome long answers, which I love because I love just being able to ask someone a question and they can just go with it and um, I think I find a couple of times where he was like, oh, I'm sorry that was long-winded, but I I truly love it. Like, uh, I like to let people go and talk. And I probably realize just now that you guys just want to hear me stop talking. But anyway, before we get into episode with Rudy, just a reminder, while you're putting in the finishing touches on your draft prep or just starting it, um, wonderful tools out there available to a beginning edge and your competitors. You can head over to the spstreamer.com. We've got a wonderful draft guide there that Michael Simeon put together. Great team, um, great bunch of analysts, whole bunch of insight. Go over to the website, spstreamer.com, check it out. It's an amazing deal for uh, a lot of information in the draft guide. Um, yeah, go check it out. Go check out that and support the whole SP streamer team a whole bunch of new writers there putting out some great content so yeah um, go get that draft guide to help get an edge on your on your on your league mates and you know it's just so much great stuff out there the baseball forecaster the process um, I could go on and on just try to absorb as much as you can try to cram as much into your brain as you can many different opinions from lead analysts as you can handle and you know make good sound decisions off of that and lead you to different roads of evaluation you can further your evaluation on players after you dip into these um fantastic wealth of uh, fantasy baseball knowledge in these books so yeah go support everyone who's putting out it's wonderful stuff. It's it's truly worth it. It and it um, gives them the ability to keep wanting to do the same things every year for us. So, um, with that being said, um, let's get into this episode with Rudy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm here tonight with Mr. Rudy Gamble, co-founder of Razball and head of the. Projection slash, uh, you know, um, all that fun stuff. Maybe you could explain a little better, Rudy. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, yeah. The um, So, yeah, with Razball, you know, like Gray and I co-founded it. Gray was really the, en- the, uh, the engine behind it. And um, 
and him and, and we have a wonderful team that that writes the content. And my part is I'm all the data, the player pages, the season long projections, uh, preseason, rest of season. Um, and then in season, the, the premium package includes daily and weekly projections. So with all the with all the projections, I'm teaming with uh, Steamer. And, yeah, we'll probably get into that. Um, but pretty much if it's a uh, if it's a tool or projection or stats, uh, including player rate or stuff, it's it's all me. That's cool, man. It's awesome. This is my um, first dive into the Razzball site. Um, and so far, I'm loving it. Right the- now? Right now. So you, you book me for a thing and then right now is your first time entering the site? No, no, not now. I'm just this, kidding. I'm busting your chops. This year, I, I, I raved, raved about it, and so um, I got on, I got on board. Um, I got your excellent draft tool as part of the sub, which is awesome. Um, again, kick-ass articles. Such a different approach to article writing and reading. The reading experience of it is is fascinating, and um, obviously, I got rave reviews about your um, weekly. Pr- projections and your your Monday to Thursday, your Friday to Sunday. I heard it was critical if you want to be successful in NFBC that you got to get involved with the Razzball weekly projections that you provide. So I'm in. So um, I'm ex- I'm expecting my nice. fab game to go, you know, up. It's on the upswing. So things are looking good. I needed it last well, you, year. You, you, well, you, you, you can only go down in draft champions, right? Right, right. Yeah. Didn't you? Didn't you win last year? I did. I won the so, so now, last so year. So now, I'm just your, I'm just your fall guy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I would have won again if it weren't for this damn Razzball. I'm, I'm like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the uh, mystery, mystery ink over here. It's like, oh, I would have got away with the second championship if it weren't for those meddling projections. Yeah, I don't know what everyone told me about that. <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I think it's, you know, um. I definitely need to use it for my fab game. I I think more than the actual, you know, the, the like just. Oh, seeing, well, draft champions doesn't have fab, so yeah. So it doesn't have I, it. It's still it's still obviously it's oh, going to be start set crucial start for the set. start set. Yeah, but for the seeing what fab, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard it's pretty critical for the fab game. So and my fab game in my first main event last year was um, a lot to be desired about. So <laughs> it's, it's one uh, area. Everything was left to be was you know everything was like that in 2020. Right. But, so if you're going to get a learning experience, that was yeah, that was probably a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and it, I mean, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, and then Fab in, in FEC is a little different. Just I think um, people are just generally more aggressive. So even coming from like analyst leagues where I was used to Fab, and even you know like yeah, took took a little bit, maybe even a full season to get the full grasp of like you're gonna have to you're just gonna have to spend more on guys. Right. Um, yeah, you know, that yeah, people are are sharp. So any yeah. edge you can get. Right. Absolutely. Any edge you can get. So when, when did you um, and Gray um, start this venture into the fantasy content world? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back like to like 2008 or 2009. Nice. Um, Gray's, uh, you know, w- was, was a writer, uh, still is to an extent of, of like screenplays and stuff like that. And there was a strike. And so we had played, We've been, I've been playing with him on and off like fantasy baseball for like a decade before that. 
Um, he was a little bit more consistent than me uh, about it. Um, but yeah, we were, were playing, and then for so you just decide to start something, and then uh, I had, you know, I kind of came in and was focused on, you know, I, I, he was never a quant, so I already had Excel stuff and was, you know, I think the first thing I was attacking was like the ESPN player rater. Um, and just not maybe attacking it, but kind of questioning it and like looking at parts of it and just not understanding it. So yeah, I kind of started with that and then, um, and then all the other stuff kind of came in, uh, as I, I got better at certain stuff or I just basically, you know, forced myself to learn certain things, uh, regression being one, but I'd say sequel being a, uh, a major component to being able to like go from like Excel uploads to, you know, having player pages that update automatically in the morning. Right. That's something that's so far in my brain. It's, it seems like the most overwhelming thing in the world, <laughs> but I could see, yeah. I hear about the efficiency in it and right. It's, um, the, there's, there's no, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, play, like, managing fantasy leagues there's not, is, is, is certainly different than, like, running a site. Right. And, um, you know, this was always a side gig for me. So, you know, I really had to, you know, do things kind of efficiently. And I couldn't, um, and sometimes basically having less time on your hands is, uh, is quite good. forces you to be uh, some ingenuity. Right. Um, I, I also just have a real, I have just no patience for, um, repetitive tasks, right. you know, like, so if it's something I can avoid doing, I do. And if, you know, like it, it better be real value add. So like everything and everything I try to do throughout the preseason into the season is just always, is this valuable for my, for the readers uh, the subscribers, or is it is it entertaining to me, which is basically Twitter, uh, ha- most of the time? And then is it, uh, yeah, is it enrich my life in any way? And if not, it's like I'm just trying to figure out any which way to uh, minimize the time. Right. Good point. Very good point. So you mentioned the ESPN player reader. I know yeah. you have a player reader on your site. So what um, what did that involve? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it, it involves a decent amount. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, a lot of people have their own dollar calculators. So, I mean, in a sense, it's how are you going to um, how are you going to divvy up, you know, 260 times the amount of teams in the league? Um, how are you going to divvy that up? And so I just I mean, at the time I had more time on my hands and I kind of developed my own thing, which uh, I found later that you know was similar to point shares it was you know um or a similar to stand sgp standard game uh standing game points points. um i'd say like if there's one major difference from that one um is i i i really don't like um replacement level thinking for for fantasy baseball it makes sense in the pros but for fantasy you're talking, I like to start with what's like the average player rostered. Um, and then 
you kind of go up and down from there. And it's a little, it feels a little more abstract because the average player is certainly not worth zero dollars. Um, so at the end, you, you end up creating an effective zero. But um, the best way of looking at it would be um, anyone that's played around with creating their own dollar thing and SGP comes to, should realize pretty quickly. It's like replacement level is so, is generally based on one player. Right. Or, and you could try to, oh, I got the last two players. It's so random. So, right. Like, it's like, uh, like all of a sudden, like there's like one more good player and got everyone else goes up two bucks or something. Wow. Um, and the better way of thinking of it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I and I've, I've written it up and I, I don't, it's probably buried somewhere, but <laughs> the average, the average of all rostered players is a much more stable number. Um, and you know, like what ends up happening a lot when you're just doing the replacement levels that everything converges at the same. Um, but um, yeah, it, yeah, I, I can probably not do it justice because uh, it's, it's been a few years since I really dug into it. So I found um, my method leads to kind of more leads to better results. You avoid even, I mean, there's people that do Z score stuff, no matter how one does it, could change how good it is but um i've basically found a way that i could automate it i could run for a number of different league formats not purely custom but we have it for a ton including obp and all this uh quality starts holds that kind of thing um i think it leads to slightly better results um you don't have to you know like and we report and i'm able to report it out in terms of like category dollars so you could see that stolen bases add up to the same number as homers do and runs do. Right. Um, and I think it, the scale, you know, the way it's set up, the scales work a little better. So I think if you dig into some other ones, you'll always find something like, uh, whether it be, I mean, my view is always like, wow, that catcher adjustment's way too high. Right. You know, like, uh, wow. Like, I know stolen bases are valuable, but this just seems too out of whack. Um, and I think when you look at mine and, and, and then this player Raiders for like season to date and also for, through all the projections. So it's our dollar stuff. I do think it's um, it, it, it looks a little better. And, and, and when there are guys that kind of are head scratchers, it tends to be driven by the projections, not the methodology. Um, right. But it is always fun every year hearing from gray when he's using the, the the draft tool and being like, why does it hate this guy? What is it like this guy? And like for hitters, it's always the same thing. It's like, it's batting average. You just don't care about batting average. Like every guy that, every guy that you like, and he's like a, probably a, a two, he's projected two thirty. You say, ah, you could hit two fifty. So <laughs> if, if you, yeah, like, I mean, we were arguing about Kyle Lewis. It's like, yes, if, if you told me he's hitting two sixty this year, then he would go up like a hundred slots, but the way he strikes out and he's in a shitty park, I got like, everyone's projecting him at 230, 240. That's, that's not very good. You know, you can yeah. get his stats elsewhere. So he's like completely off my draft board. Gray likes him. Um, but it has less to do with like, basically the, all the, the tools doing is projecting average equal to the other stats. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so, uh, 
it's gotten tested throughout the years. It's so yeah, the, the player radar is kind of like the, the first thing, but it, it kind of set the foundation for a lot of the subsequent stuff because, oh, yeah, because yeah. the reality is you could do daily and weekly projections and it, but if you're not in a points league, it's like, you're, it's still not helping. It's still not the most helpful thing in the world. What you really want is rankings for, for like either that day or that week. And so being able to use a consistent methodology and then put it on the same scale means that it's like, oh, you're saying this guy's a $30 player this week. I know what a $30 player is because I could look at the, I could look at the season to date player rater and $30 is the 20th guy. That's valuable. Right. Um, and then you could also, and then you get to the point where you look at starting pitching, but like, wow, even, you know, like that's a dollar pitcher. I generally feel I can get $4 or $7 in my streamers. Um, so it's, it's basically keeping that consistency throughout. And because, you know, I, I just don't think that time spent in trying to take projections and conform them into rankings and values is really value well spent for those that can do it. And for those that can't, it's just like a hindrance. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think, I think where the, the skill and focus tends to be is once you have something like that, how are you constructing your team? How much are you valuing certain players? How aggressive are you at churning your bottom? Um, and, and then supplementing that with stuff like, you know, I think this guy's going to be the closer or right. he's next in line. Um, you know, there's stuff that, the, that even the best projections can't account for. Um, I mean, clearly anyone with like an eye for pitching, that's always the toughest thing on the projection side. So anyone in 2019, that's like, I watched the first Giolito start and something clicked with him. And he was the, you know, like, and there are, there's people better than me in it. Cause I don't watch, I barely get to watch any games. So it's like, those are all the things you could add on top of it. But um, it's like having just an extremely strong foundation. <laughs> Right. And that right. that thinking of like all those things, like the Giolito thing is like, there's a certain serendipity to that. And if you have a process to find those guys, fantastic. That's even better. Right. But think of it as like, yeah, for every one thing like that, there's like, there's the, yeah, the projections doing things like slapping in the face and like, man, you're, you're, you think that guy's your fifth outfielder. He sucks this week. You should bench him and, and pick up, one of these eight guys who, who are better this week. And it, it's, you know, when you build in that type of process, it, it makes you a little better. You're just, you're squeezing all these little things out there. It's stopping you from being content from some bias. That's just like, Oh, this guy should be fine for a fifth outfielder. Right. Um, and say like, and then, yeah. So, yeah. So everyone kind of attacks it differently, which, which is good. There's not like a, a this, uh, sameness like a whole bunch of rudy robots out there right um but certainly they're uh rudy robots yeah they, they certainly i think that they, they i like to think our subscribers have a little bit more advantage um and yeah and that even the best players do fun yeah and i'm not gonna i can't not the liberty of naming player but players that have there's people that have won you know, NFBC that right. use it. Right. Um, so, yeah, and it's just like 
the time savings and like yeah i mean like it's amazing how like in a year just fought like if it could help with just finding one or two extra players like how much that can make or break a league right. um so yeah long-winded answer i don't know yeah. where that i forgot no that's, no, that's, that's started that's with great. a player rate or what yeah um, but, so it. apologies took a long way uh there's stuff on the site about like under like I think historical player rate or FAQs. Oh man, that is uh yeah, not not where I'd suggest people go, but if you want to go nuts. <laughs> no, I love that. I love the whole peek into I again I, I like to let everyone talk because I th- I feel like um I'm getting the best and you know, like the best insight when everyone just flows and you know has to you know just say what you gotta say. So yeah. I I yeah, I have several successful NFBC players tell me, you know, you wanna you gotta get Rasball in your toolbox. So I'm like, Yeah, I hear you. So um I'm in it now. Um, so we, we talked, um, you mentioned the projection system. Um, so how, how do you, you know, how, how do you start your process? Um, and how, you know, how did it lead you into what you're looking to expect from players during the season? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's three main components on the projections. So one gets into like, you know, you want to start with a neutral, um, what I call like a, a skill projection, a skill rates tend to be on, on players. So in an average park against an average or against league average pitching or against, I guess, this, their schedule. No, no, actually it would be league average pitching. How does this hitter do versus lefties and righties? For pitchers, you know, it'd be the same. Um, and that's one where I partnered with Steamer from the get-go. Um, just not my passion to get that deep into the weeds. And I don't really think I don't have the physical chops would take, you know, a while to get there. Um, so I, I work with them, you know, it's a partnership and they, so I get these neutral projections from them. Um, and then the next part is the context of everything. So that could be, so, um, thinking of it from like a daily projection. So everyone like for the preseason is its own thing for like a daily and weekly projection. What you're, the key is, is like, uh, what's the guy's likelihood to start? Where is he going to hit in the lineup? Who else is in the lineup? Um, who's the opposing pitcher, lefty, righty, who's going to be pitching in the bullpen? You know, what's the, and everything is like rate driven, you know, like, Oh, I think this guy's like, a, you know, like based on the model saying this guy's got, you know, a 30% chance of pitching. And if he pitches, it'll be an inning. And there's, so it's, it's, it gets, that's the stuff I'm bringing into it. And then you're running all these hitter pitcher matchup, matchup things. And then each player is kind of like the composite of all that. So, you know, like, like if I have to run like a week, it's basically like, okay, these are the probable pitchers. This is the expected batters face they'll have against these teams, which can, into these innings and you got to fill the rest of the innings um and if it's the bottom of the ninth yeah there's a chance they're in the lead so you gotta reduce that so there's a, a whole lot that goes into that um and then you're factoring in the park you're factoring in the weather particularly for today's games your uh lineup ends up being big in terms of how many plate appearances your runs rbi potential um so yeah that's that's all the daily and weekly stuff 
yeah, that and then that ends up really being kind of automated. When lineups come in, mm-hmm. you go from a projected lineup to a to a real one. Um, so that happens like for today's game. So really the core of the Rasball thing started with daily pl- players who played in daily roster change leagues. Okay. Um, because, and in that, in that format, the tools like a monster, right? Because yeah. So yeah, the streaminator and the hitter trial, which are the, for daily and weekly pitching and hitting. Yeah. I mean that, that, that became like kind of the nth degree Mm-hmm. of how you'd play that and yeah i mean i burned myself out on the, that format and <laughs> yeah. moved to weekly um but uh, i mean but i mean our one thing i think as soon as our site is that it's still a daily roster change site yeah like weekly is all the the analysts and weekly's nfbc but the average player plays in leagues where you could change your roster daily right. so that's still the heart of rasball and i think part of it is that yeah it keeps us um keeps us really alert to like changes so i think that it's one of gray's better advantages um you know uh you know and and obviously reading the site definitely helps keep me up to date on stuff um when you get into preseason stuff you get into like you know it's more abstract i mean you could you could figure out a team's schedule and that impacts park and you kind of know who's pitching you know, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a lot larger. It's the adjustments are smaller except for park because at least 50% of the time they're playing in their home park. So clearly starting neutral, you know, the Rockies get adjusted up a lot. The, the giants adjusted down a lot and everything in between. Um, and so like, it's a, it's a slightly different process, uh, but um, it's similar kind of components. Uh, so, and I'd say like, um, well, in season, a lot of a lot of the playing time stuff is based on recent games, okay. And trying to go on that for preseason, that a good amount of my time's focused on, especially in January. Uh, how much do I think a guy's going to play? Where in the lineup do I think he'll be? Um, and then yeah, March you could sharpen that up. It helps having spring training lineups, um, and. Yeah, and then, and then it just ends up being that there's all these little things that people wouldn't think would have to go into it. Like, well, I can't trust or I can't use Steamer's RBIs per at bat because his RBIs per at bat are based on what Fangraph says the guy's going to hit in the lineup. And if they say a guy's going to hit lead off 50% of the time and middle of the lineup 50, and I say he's going to hit middle of the lineup the whole time, the RBIs change, the runs change. So you, you've got to like change runs and RBIs accordingly. And there's all these little things to go into. So it, it tends to be um, a lot of research goes in and a lot of it tends to be very invest. Like you make this investment, you write all this code, you know, you revisit little things every year. This year was a big dive into the park factors. I think uh, we really improved um, and refined some of the park factor stuff. Um and then, yeah, you, you basically, yeah, like I, I've got, that's like kind of my January to February hat. And then um, one, yeah, I feel like I get a certain, certainly good. And then I'm kind of drafting a lot and it's, and you, and then drafting kind of helps uh, pressure test maybe yeah. some of the top, some of the things It's just like, I have this guy that high and I have this guy this low. And <laughs> do I really, you know, like, 
I mean, there, there's only so many leverage you could pull, mm-hmm. but um, it does make you think on that stuff. And yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's a process. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine. I, I, I appreciate everything you guys put into trying to, you know, put out such a, a, um, a projection where, you know, we can look at and, and make sense of things. And I think it's very quick to get shunned, you know, by, you know, a lot of people. And um, I, I, I've never been such a projection driven um, drafter, um, but I, I see the value in, in using it. And I used, you know, actually I wanted to ask you that, like how would you tell people to best use a projection system for a player and in, into their like player evaluation? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, we provide, yeah, I, I've tried to codify it into a draft tool for people. My feelings are, you know, one, um, you know, like what type of player are you like in mm-hmm. season? So, I mean, we do, we all have draft preferences. We all are slight, maybe have, are slightly better at finding certain types of players or others. Um it's good just to know what type of player you are. So like if I was literally coaching someone, it'd be like, what do you like to do? And if they said, I really like going hitters early. I'd be like, okay, we'll work with that. Um, it's, you know, like I don't have one way to, I don't think people, there's one way to draft. Uh, clearly if everyone drafted a certain way, zagging from that is, would seemingly be optimal. Um, but I think there's kind of a number of ways to attack it, but you should know who you are, what your strengths are, what you like. Um, you're obviously looking for ways to, um, you know, part of that's also, what are you trying to construct as your team? Um, you know, so for thinking about in season, it's not just about how much you invest in hitters or pitchers, you know, from category standpoint, um, my feeling is that you shouldn't punt anything and it doesn't matter if it's a, um, you know, and a, a uh, what do you call it? Like a, a contest where you have multiple leagues going in for an overall. An over, yeah. um, I don't think it, whether I'm in an overall or a, a single league, I'm not looking to punt anything. Um, and there is kind of a clear reason for it. Um, so throughout my draft, I want to be generally balanced um, across the categories. Um, you know, my reason is that because I've got such a really good fab process, like the thought of like, let's just say punting power. I mean, not people, not the most common one, but we'll just go with it. Um, so I over, I go high on stolen bases and average and runs and then homers and RBIs. I'm going to have this great base and I could always find these rowdy Telez types or something that come in. Um, well, I'm going to look at the fab in the second week and I'm probably going to find a guy who's looks really good for stolen bases and average. And now I'm not going to be able to draft them because my teams, I don't need them. Um, you know, so I feel like I don't know what the fab bargains are going to be, but they're going to be generally across the board. I just want to be able to take the best one possible. And I don't need to be like, you know, you know, I don't know, dial up to 11, a certain stat because I'm going to find some there. Um, so I don't want, and I, I don't, I mean, I, I play in half my leagues. Don't, you can't trade. In other ones you can, but I don't like counting on it. So I'd rather start with, 
I don't need anything on op after opening day, ideally. Um, and I'm just grabbing best, uh, best values I can off fab. Um, so yeah, if you play in a league with me, it's, it's probably a bit of a pain um, in that it's like, yeah, I might get that guy, get the guy you want a week early or at least, you know, throw in a bid and you're going to, you're not gonna be able to get like a dollar bid guy because right. I'll, because if the guy looks good, I'm just going to throw it in there and I'll stash him on my bench or I'll churn. I'll do something. Um, I want to interrupt you real quick. I, I yeah. love how you said don't count on trading for stats because I think that's fascinating. I hear so many, you know, people say like, oh, I'll, I'll just trade for that in season. And I like how why you, would you yeah, why yeah, would you yeah. count on that? Right. Like, no, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, like, and there's people that'll like, um, get really tied to their values. So, um, you know, one thing that is in all our preseason projections and in the tool is breaking it out per category. And the reality is it's, fr it can be frustrating that at some point in your draft. So let's say my drafts might be a little heavy, you know, a strong average base because mm -hmm. I think I'm, so let's just say I've got a, a team with a strong average base and I'm deciding between two guys and one guy's, three dollars more but that's driven by he's six dollars better in average i i could go with the lower guy right. <laughs> the av because average isn't helping me much anymore um there's there is a diminishing return there that's not ideal to go through your draft and never and taking the guy that isn't the the most valuable across all five um but that's again the type of player I am. If you're a super trader, that's another thing. But I'll see guys like draft like overdraft speed because they overrated because they rated speed more than they valued it more than the market. And my feeling is like, yeah, maybe you'll be able to trade some of that. I've never found you could trade speed. Yeah, I found it it can be very difficult unless a guy is an insane base stealer to get more than 80 cents on the dollar. Um, so yeah, I just don't like, I, I'm not a huge fan of trading. Um, my goal is to play the fab game. So, but every player could be different on that. Um, clearly I, I don't like, yeah, like you want to get, there's guys you like, there's, you know, you want to understand where your values are versus the market. Um, you don't want to be that different from it. Um, in terms of, um, balance and uh you know and there's no reason to be drafting guys multiple rounds before you have to um so right. i like to look at kind of the board how it lays out with what i have understanding like which positions i have a lot of values in versus less like this year it's like shortstop so deep and there's so there's various shortstops that you know this is without position adjustments i'm just like there's mm -hmm. some really good shortstop values if you the longer you could hold if you could hold out on shortstops, there's some really nice values you could potentially get in the 10th to 20th round. Um, you know, not every draft, not all the time. Um, you know, but then you'll see another position where it's like, wow, I don't really like the values at all for, let's say this year starting pitching in like rounds nine to 13. I could barely find a guy that I like near ADP. All right. So that means, Make sure I get whoever I want in the first one to eight. If that guy's available, nine to 13, not, but I'll, you know, I, maybe I'll, I'll be looking more. Well, what else can I draft there? So I'm, I'm already 
basically trying to go through the whole draft, the learning experience that maybe one can get if they run 10 leagues, I'm trying to have before I even do my first. Um, and so because there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a draft, you're like, man, you know what? I miscalculated. Right. I, you know, I, you know, and you look back, like, ah, I probably should have went more for power early. I, I, I shouldn't have gone for that guy that really screwed my average. And I ne- I was chasing it throughout the rest of the draft. Yeah, that's a that's not a good feeling. Yes, that's true. And, and yeah, I understand you could correct it with the next draft, but what? But if you did your homework right, you would have never done that the first time. So there's yeah, like it's kind of driven by like I want to have drafts that don't have the what ifs, that don't have the uh, these were the bad picks. Um, now people, there are people that seem to not have you know if you read. So, you know, the the, uh, the stereotypical analyst review of like an of one of our um, analyst drafts tends to be like I drafted these 25 guys and I like all 25 guys and I like my team and 80th percentile and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. I mean, that that's not me either, because um, I, I try to be kind of brutally honest on my teams. I don't think you kind of learn as much. I don't there. There's a certain like it could be true. But I, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's um, it's true to them. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't seem to be the objective <laughs> truth to others. Where it's like, oh, I don't. I think there's some missteps there. So, um, yeah, your this goal for the draft is like, how do I end up? I want to. I want a team that I could finish first. I want a team that um, I don't have these what ifs that I've thought about everything, you know, and I've planned everything out, planned as much as possible. Um, enough flexibility to take advantage of when the, the, maybe the draft rooms like just misses on a guy. Right. And then I'm the first I'm set up. So it's not like, cause I, I do think there's this sense of like people like, Oh, I, I draft this way. And I, and then they're not like really an engaged manager. They don't, their manager selves don't have like a real point of view. So I, I, I wrote up in my labor post. I started it last year is kind of like, you know, these are two, they're, they're kind of two different people, your draft self and your manager self. Um, they should both have like a really um, strong opinion. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and I think most people really get excited during draft season because it's all shiny and new. And then in season, you, by the time next draft season comes, you forget it. Right. Like, um, but, you know, I was talking with a rat in, we're doing TGFBI, all these Rasball writers, and we're in the end one guy, and I, I don't remember which, but I wouldn't say if it was. He's like, you know, you know what I'm thinking? Nick Madrigal. He's high up in Rudy's thing. <laughs> I need stolen base and average. Um, and I'm and I was like, um, it, it is there, and you've got it. If there was a team that it could work for, it does look like your team. It never works for my team because. Um, I generally don't need the average and, and, you know, so I'd, and I'd rather just get the stolen bases elsewhere. And I don't, right. Um, and, and I have issues with, I don't really believe in the player as much, but, um, but another way of looking at it is like in season, Rudy would hate having Nick Madrigal on his team. Cause he'd be like, I got this fucker with like, he would get five homers all year. And I, what 40 RBIs? I got this schmuck on my friggin' team. He's weighing down that stuff. 
And if and if he has a week where he doesn't steal like three bases, and it's probably I, I'm not convinced he, he's that good a stolen base guy, or that Larusso give him the the green light. I mean, you know, right. I mean, you know, I mean, Larusso likes to run red lights. I think um, <laughs> the so I'm like so I know it. Like he, I can't really draft him because I will be so livid in season. And I don't know if when I, when I communicated like that, I don't know if they had ever thought of it like that. It's like, it's, this is intuitive stuff. It's not, um, but it's, it's just a good way to, to, th- to think about it. It's like, Oh no, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, I don't want I love this that. guy. Yeah. It's like, um, so, I mean, I, not that, not that that kind of want thing there, there's inefficiencies it leads to. So you, you've got this balancing act of, then people are like, well, I don't want a guy that just steals bases. So I'm going to draft a whole bunch of guys that go 2020. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't get enough stolen bases. And those guys are also not great on average runs and RBIs. Right. So you screwed up there. So, <laughs> so there's all these little ways that people, um, you know, but like, and that might be really like the manager self having too much sway. So yeah, I like it to take the projections, get get put it in a framework that allows you to kind of make sure you're hitting um, your goals in a uh, that that throughout the draft and throughout your draft process, you're you're just maximizing your team and it's right. maximizing it for what uh, what your things are. And it's uh, yeah, it's one where I could provide I provide the tool and it's still like. Uh, my drafts can be so much different than someone else who uses it. I mean, there'll be one or two players when I'm in draft rooms with it, uh, especially if in like the beat Rudy draft champions league, where it's just like, God damn it. This guy, (laughs) how dare you take Framil Reyes? What the nerve? Like, I, like you're going to take Eloy that early in the second round. You know, uh, you know, you've God damn it. I can't believe I share this stuff with people, Um, but those are like, but the thing is, like, yeah, th- those are like, yeah, you have these occasional cases like that. But, um, yeah, although I, th- I know I threw out a lot out there, it's kind of hard to think. Like, a lot of it just comes down to like um, trying to be your best drafter, right? Um, and um, it, it, it that isn't, you know, and and yeah, there's some there's some key things you could do, key tools, and yeah, I, I found yeah. Um, a crazy spectrum of players have used the tool and, and liked it and felt like felt better about their draft. And, you know, and, and like I said, our, our readership, it's not, we're not, we're not for NFBC. We're for anyone playing fantasy. Right. Um, and so we're pretty egalitarian in that. Yeah. We're not, you know, so um, yeah, you're playing in your home league. Like we have the, the majority of our subscribers are home league players. Um but and could range from people who are maybe even more quant, probably people who are more quant than me than to people who are like Excel literate. Oh, right. it's I mean, like, hey, we, we don't need to. We need everyone, um, yeah. and everyone has their own little their own strengths. So, um, yeah. So we're just trying to support all of them. 
I like that. I like how you mentioned the, you know, really knowing who you are and like having the conversation in your head with, you know, in season Rudy and, and, and draft Rudy. Um, and I like the, you know, I like the tool and I, I use um, uh, the BAB system for that, that Ron Chandler puts out. And I love how with, with, with your, with your drafting tool, I can do like, a you know, I can input my own little mini mock against myself. And yeah, that, that, that's, that's a really smart, that, and, and I do the same. Like, yeah. But, and like and you mentioned, like, I kind of look at the end and I'm like, Hmm, I am overvaluing batting average up at the top, maybe too much. Right. And it gives me that ability to, okay, I have to, I have to try this again because um, yeah, right. it, it's, it, and it's simple. It's way better than getting in, you know, doing a. Oh, those a, mock drafts are the yeah. worst. Yeah. People horrible. are just, people are just, they're not taking them seriously. I mean, right. like, I mean, props to like NFBC with like the ADP information they provide. Um, and then knowing no one's like knowing the quality of players on NFBC. So it's a reliable ADP verse. I mean, no offense. I mean, like we have a lot of players that play on it, but like, I don't trust ESPN, CBS or Yahoo ADP. Right. You know, like I don't like, I can't control the dates. That's a great feature of the NFBC tool. Right. Um, and Fantrax has stuff like that too. That's quite good. Um, but um, yeah, that, that, um, yeah, Michael, I I've I haven't done a mock draft in like five years at least. Um, I I hate them, and um, yeah, just me looking at with the draft tool and looking at the probabilities and um, to me a lot of it is like I can't. By the time I get through the draft, like it's done because I've done so many iterations and so many. <laughs> what if I did this, this, this? Oh no, that's not good. Right. Um, and that. Yeah, that I mean, and there's just ways of twisting the data where you're just like, wow, if I really want um, third base, these are the rounds I'm getting it. Right. Um, and, you know, if I don't get this one player here because, you know, maybe I wanted someone else or something like that, um, it's not happening. But, you know, like, it's just foreign to me to otherwise be in a draft and be like, not have plans i've got right. yeah like i've really i think maximized as much as i can there and that's uh a big departure from like maybe 10 years ago where i would have been more of a value drafter um and i try to factor all these other things in on the fly and it sometimes work i mean i you know i was i was a good player but um yeah, there'd be a little bit more what ifs. They'd be like, ah, you know, if things could have, if that guy didn't snipe me. Right. It's like, you're going to get sniped in every draft. You if are. you don't get yeah. sniped in a draft, then that then that's probably not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I, I fooled them with, they, yeah, no one, no one was going to get my guy before I took him. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's extremely right. My and pocket I, catchers start the draft. The old suckers. pocket. <laughs> oh, I got I I didn't get pocket catchers in the first two rounds in DGFBI, but I have two I did two catchers very early and I don't know well, how I feel. I mean that and yeah, that's completely uh, I I never or it's, it's I've never done two catchers. I don't the last time I got a second catcher I don't know if I ever took a second catcher in the first 20 rounds. Um first catcher I've very very rarely, but there there are examples. Um 
but it, yeah, I have to like strain to come up with ones I took at the top 10 rounds. Right. But I mean, I get it. I can see it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of open. I don't really poo poo uh, very many draft strategies, you know, right. until I see them and then it, like how it's executed, you know, like, but uh, I would say stylistically, two catchers in the first 10 rounds, not my thing. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I've just guy. like been bouncing around, you know, I've been trying some different, you know, like I try one catcher, you know, like early yeah. and then maybe oh, no, one Greg, really late. Greg, and then like I know Greg Player said, yeah. I know Fred Zinke does, has done the last two labor drafts. He won last year's. Um, yeah. He's like, yeah, an awesome awesome player um i think i saw like jeff zimmerman um who i I really like um he i think he did two catchers in tgfbi i mean there's it's um to me that the greater yeah like having it as a strategy is one thing what i don't like is just this um the the passive kind of like oh all catchers lift up like ten dollars Right. Uh, I mean, you'll see that in like the fan graph calculator or some, you know, like, and there's other things that do it. And you're just like, does, does that really seem right? Like, it's one thing, like if you, there's a couple of catchers that you're going to really go for, but at a certain point, you don't need to elevate most of them. Right. Um, you know, so. Um, what I see a lot in the draft champions is like in that range where it becomes like the Tom Murphy's and the Elias Diaz is that everyone who doesn't have their second, like yeah. treats them too, too much. Cause at that point I'll, I'll just like, if I don't have my second, then I feel like I'll just wait even longer because it's not really much of a difference, you know, from. Right. But, but you know, yeah, there, there's definitely, I mean, draft champions is a little different because in leagues where you have like 30 rounds, right. There, there's definitely the last two or three rounds. There's a lot of second catcher filling. Right. And so, oh yeah. And like, I mean, being some game theory and like drafting your second catcher in the 27th or 28th, like drafting it before the, the rush. Right. So, I mean, those in draft champions. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been there where it's like, yeah. Do you, yeah. Like the second catcher gets kind of thin. Um, and then you're like, oh, I'll just I'll just get a stronger third catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, yeah, but I, I I have, yeah. So I'm I'm still only in like the twelfth round of my first draft champions, the the beat Rudy League that we, uh, one of the few one of a few we sponsor at NF, uh, we sponsor with NFBC, and uh, yeah, that uh, we'll see with catcher. I I, ha- I think I'm. I mean, catcher position is degraded so far that it's like I, I used if I if I have to take a zero <laughs> at some point in the year, I'm not really convinced it's that big a deal. I don't want it to happen. I'll be I'll probably draft five catchers. Um, See, that's funny you said that because I was thinking in my head like on the teams where I didn't I, I didn't have such strong catchers, and I'm thinking you know. Oh, do you know? Do I just now get four or five and have more options? But at that point, right, those guys are probably hurting you more than taking a zero, like you're saying. Oh no, I mean they can only no? hurt you an average, right? So th- there's 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 some count stats there, but it yeah that that um it just gets what like it there's just not a lot of guys. There's very little upside. I mean right. I've been it's just like yeah it's a the 
But no, no, there's not a lot of great catcher stories. I mean, there's years where, I mean, I just, I remember I, I had Christian Vasquez everywhere the year, like in the like 28th round, $1 or free agent Vasquez is everywhere the year he broke out two years ago. Right. I mean, those are like, that. that's obviously like huge. But, you know, for every one of those, I've got stories of like, I think I had Tom Murphy every year he was on Colorado. <laughs> yeah. How the hell did that not happen? <laughs> Tony Walters? Come on. But, um, and yeah, so like it's, um, yeah, and I've had Tony Walters, and yeah, that, that was not enjoyable. Um, yeah, it is. Oh, so, okay. I wanted to ask you with your projection for year long, um, how do you, factor in injuries and playing time accordingly to that are you projecting like almost like a blanket like well everyone's going to get hurt or you know how do you do it um hitters i have a model um that's looking at last couple years um and so and in factors in a guy's age um i'll then review that and and add to it if um if there's anything like existing, um, I, you know, so I'll, for hitters, that's pretty straightforward for pitching. Um, and then, and then I'll also do things like delay a guy. Um, so if I think if a guy's gonna, you know, like, so like, let's say Kellenic, um, right now he probably has like a 15 to 30 day delay on when he starts. And I could take that out, but think of it as like a different, but so think of like playing time as saying, I think Kellenic plays 90% of games um, or 85 to 90% of games when he play um, once he's in the majors. And I think he'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to say 15 to 30 day delay for, you know, we all know why um, (laughs) potentially. So, so hitter and then, and then, yeah, and then it's like figuring out their batting, batting order distribution for pitchers. It's tougher. I don't believe in any real like DL predictor. Um, I'm my, but I don't have the playing time. Think of it like for hitters, there's even for hitters, I'm, I'm, you know, there's ranges generally by every 5% that I'm placing hitters. And some of it is rest. Some of it is like, you know, maybe some general hedge if, you know, if they lose a role for pitchers, it's just even more hedging, you know, like, you know, cause guys can get knock on the DL, but get dodgered and into all these, like, Oh, he's just going to skip a start here. So I'm just kind of going on feel um, and thinking where guys innings caps could be. Um, I, I don't, if there was a more scientific way, I, I'd look at it. I'd consider it. I've seen, I know um, and I've seen like, yeah, Eno post something. I think it's based on Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman's research on like pitchers more likely to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, it's, it's just not quantifiable enough. Right. Um, and I don't, you know, like, so I, I, I'd rather leave it up. To, I, I do my as best as guess as I can. I mean, like I hedged more on like, let's say Denilson uh, Lamette than other. Right. Yeah. I do see something there, but this feeling like, you know, like, I'm going to give DeGrom 140 innings because he's 34 and he had two, he had some minor stuff last year. I can't, there's not much behind it. I think 
you know, maybe he's at, maybe I, I've dinged him one start. Right. And it, and that, those things really don't matter. Like it's, it's, you know, like, but yeah, what it didn't really change his value much. You're talking six innings. It's just right. not that big a deal. Um, so it's not saying that there's not a bunch of skill and a bunch of thought put into it, but at a certain point, um, you know, there's no statistical confidence behind what you're doing. Right. Like, like, like like to go from like, I don't think, I think this guy's going to pitch 172 innings. I don't know. I mean, you'll see 172 innings in my thing, but that's, but, but that's only because, you know, I've got like a certain innings pitch projection per start that looks at last year and, you know, I might fiddle with it and then percent games and it just ends up there. But I'm not, I'm not pretending to have, yeah, there might even be a decimal after it, but it's not <laughs> quite that uh, scientific. Um, right. And just every year, you're, you're looking for a little ways to get better. But I would say, like, yeah, predicting pitching injuries, I don't, I, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, open to however people want to draft pitchers. There's, like I said, if if I'm fine with people going either pocket from pocket aces to like, you know, trying to not draft pitchers in the first four rounds how whatever whatever yeah however you and it's not like every round you pick only has one pitcher to choose from right so however you want to however you want to choose it whether it be you gear more toward upside you gear more toward guys you think are more reliable um i I seem to tend to be a bit of a k-whore um you know but Mm -hmm. But then there's all, you know, throughout a draft, I might be looking for a guy that has grid control just to, to minimize whips. So there's, um, but I don't think there, there's, uh, I think it's all kind of this like art finesse game. And, uh, you know, you just kind of hope that when the, uh, when, when whoever's on James Andrews, uh, list oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is naughty naughty or nice list no, um, yeah. you just hope they're not on your teams and of course yeah that in one of my i i think it was my draft champions league i drafted like framber valdez and just found mm-hmm. out he has a fractured ring finger it's like at least he, at least he's not going to uh james or dr right. freeze as i like to call him <laughs> absolutely um so are you finding that anything that might move the needle in the future, like that can add to the projection model that would make it more accurate, like things like, you know, the seam shifted wake or pitch movement, or I don't know if that's any of like the lateral horizontal movement is already involved with something you do, but do you see anything like that, you know, leading to, you know, um, greater accuracy gains? It's real tough. I mean, I think, you know, like, uh, yeah, that th- that gets more into what Steamer would do, but where I see a lot of the challenge with everything is the is the concern for double counting and stuff like that. Um, and and I mean the amount of double counting that goes on. Uh, when I say double counting, it would be like, um, let's say I, I've projected like part of the projection for, um, let's say an AL central pitcher is that they face the tigers and i mean i guess that's that's they're not as i'm trying to think if there's like a a really bad division but let's just say schedule's been factored in uh, and home park's been factored in 
And so that's all in there. And then people are like, oh, well, these guys are too equal, but I like this guy because of the schedule and the home park factor. It's like, that's already in there. That's already uh, yeah. been Got um, it. Yep. And, you know, I mean, now if, if it's between two people, you can't go wrong if, if they're really close. But if like you're making these massive mental adjustments, that's kind of dopey. So um, I do think with pitchers, it's like pitchers are there. There's more that can change. I, 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 I really don't think with hitters there, you know, like um, things like launch angle and exit velocity. And there's there's little th- there's things there that maybe get. Uh, maybe you can catch something in terms of uh, a uh, approach change. I think those are real few and far between. There's, it's always been a case where there's just guys that suddenly catch fire. Um, my larger strategy on that stuff is like, you know, just try to be ahead on things, looking at guys who have opportunities, guys who've shown anything. Um, and just, and, Another way of looking at it is like, once you know you have a guy who's dead weight on your roster, get, just get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, the, or guys that you just know are just like just a guy, you know, it's like, you know, like, yeah, you kind of need some guys to fill in, but, you know, taking those shots on guys that are just coming in. I remember, yeah, I mean, I, I had like $1 winning bids on Whit Merrifield when he was called up, um, when he was first called up. And I number of years ago i know but it's like i didn't know anything about what I, I mean i i didn't i barely knew i knew he had a decent amount of speed but he was 28 and yeah like I, I and yeah i fell into it on that one um but that's the thing it's like i took a chance i probably had some guy on my team that i knew wasn't the answer um yeah i mean i think challenge with pitching it's like i mean there's still going to be things like fast, like vo- velocity, like fastball, I think drives a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tend to be pessimistic um, or less optimistic as others. I do think you want to test that stuff. You, you need to like kind of test the new stuff with the old stuff and balance it in a way to, to make sure that you're not double counting and that the new stuff is purely additive. Um but I, I would think if like you, you know, when, when you're th- that the vast majority of stuff is accounted for with young pitchers, you've got like, I put the, by the time you really know anything by your, when you're looking at the stack house stuff, it might already be too late. Right. Um, and right. that, and then that's, and that um, I think it makes for fantastic content. Um I would posit that um, the people that spend a, a inordinate time studying pitchers um, do not necessarily make for the best fantasy players. That it, it's 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 a, I think a sincere fascination, but I don't. But um, I think fantasy it, there's it's actually a, it's a detra- it's like a distraction from like. From like what might be more minutia and might not be as interesting and might be more data driven or might be more news blurb driven or you know roster churning like all the stuff that can be can be like a a grind but i do think that <laughs> that stuff's there and like then um 
then unearthing these gems because you know i mean I, i'm it's yeah i'm digging for like these wit merrifield things and the turret which certainly feel like anomalous um because there are because most of the times it's just like oh you got like a two-week run and i don't remember it you know you remember it when the guy basically has like an insane three months um you know so those are the ones that stick in your head but it's like for every like lucas giolito where it happened in season and that there was truly something that you know, if you had to cat, if you caught it, maybe in a start or two, you didn't have much time. Um, how many are there? You know, it's like, I don't need to know, you know, like, yeah, I know DeGrom's good. I don't need to know much more than that. I'll <laughs> go with the projections. Like at a certain point, like what's changed from what he's done on the field for two to three years. You know, if you tell me a guy's got a velocity increase, my eyes are open. Um, I don't know about this when this year, because everyone seems you know, when I, I've seen a couple of numbers that seem a little ridiculous, like guys throwing 99 or 100 out of the gate. But um, yeah, so Gotta I think you on. always stay open minded on the stuff. Um, but and again, if, if you're deciding between two guys that project about equally, then whatever criteria you use is probably fine. Um, but yeah, not. Um, but I, th- I think probably more overstated. Right, the potential than than not. Um, so, so sorry if that was a little long winded. No, I, well, I love it. I, I actually wanted to ask you um, about the the non DH um, and do your projections uh, have DH involved or is it? Um, no, I I no. We're right now we we're assuming no at LDH. You're assuming no. So okay. yeah, I'd kind of done that already on the playing time. But the rate, but the rate stats got adjusted like two weeks ago or, or so okay. when we did it, when we did a big update um, and that, that definitely changed it on the pitcher side. Didn't really matter. Right. I mean, like, it's not like a hitter, you know, like Dom Smith, I took his playing time projection down, but his rates are going to be the same whenever he plays Correct. whether they DH or not. Cause that's not really a factor, but yeah, if anything, it, yeah, it meant like, you know, you're subbing in a pitcher for two at bats a game, roughly, or two plate appearances because they might. Uh, and um, so that 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 didn't help NL hitter runs and RBIs. Right. Um, certainly doesn't help the leadoff hitter in the NL for RBIs. That's that that tends to be pretty brutal. Right. Um, of an adjustment uh, for, you know, when you compare it to AL. Um, so yeah, that's that one's accounted for. Certainly, NL pitchers now are again a little bit more attractive. Everything right. equal. And and how does the how does the um how do you how does the factor in of pacing the two pitchers um let's say a game um, affect um so is it like do you look at uh the average stats of a batting pitcher and, and incorporate that or is it like how did that get factored in oh for a pitcher that? hitting yeah yeah oh yeah it's it's just like league average pitcher league, hitting. Okay. yeah i mean that's that's just one and like and for the a daily thing i might be looking at league average pinch hitting okay um first like really worrying about who's on the bench um because because basically a pinch hitter I think just generally does worse than the, than, than the average hitter would that pinch hitting is hard. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. Yep. So um, 
Yeah, that I mean that 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 tends to be a little bit noise in the data. Right. Um okay, cool. but um yeah. Yeah. Good enough. I love it. <laughs> um let's see what else we got here. Okay, so I was reading your article and you know, it's a lot of talk about the the, the term expert being applied to the analyst and industry leagues and you had some pretty, you know, pretty interesting thoughts on it and I thought maybe if you wanted to touch on, you know, the whole fact that, you know, maybe it's the wrong word that we're using when we say expert league. But I also loved how, you know, you really nailed the part where you're saying how there's no public figures in the world that, that, that are accountable. But, you know, we you guys get held accountable for what we you know put out there and you know the historical standings behind it so i wanted to know like you know what what inspired you to write write about this uh i mean i guess there had been a few twitter threads on it i mean i think there's it's natural to have like a certain um react you know like well expert term of you know i don't remember how that came about and um but yeah, I, I get anyone calling themselves an expert is asking, is putting themselves on a pedestal and asking to get knocked off it. Um, so those things I understand. I think, um, I think there's a certain thing of like, whenever there's people writing about something and you know, and their opinions kind of getting broadcast out. Um, yeah, the natural if if you know anything about the things and you have any disagreements, tend to be like, ah, oh, what do they know? You know, like, I mean, I'm like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> questioning guy, um, you know, and, and yeah, so I get the natural impulse. Um, I, I do think it comes, it's, and that's not being like, let's say like, an, and I think then those in the high stakes leagues, which I do partake in to an extent, but not, I wouldn't say it defines me as much. Um, I, I, I get their general point. Um, the reality of though is like, you know, like writing is, is tough and, you know, there's definitely skills to running a podcast, to writing an article, um, to doing, you know, let's say what I do. Um, I mean, so you've, you're already having like the market deciding to a certain extent what they want to consume and, you know, you get to do that yourself. And then the reality is like, yeah, if there's anything that's frustrating, and I noted in the post, is like you think about like for all the people that open up their mouth, it's like they're never accountable for anything. Like, you know, I mean, you look at the the, the talking heads in sports like Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, and they'll just say whatever, oh, and then God. they'll just twist twist it if when they're wrong. Um, you know, it happens all the time in politics. Like, no one no one has ever been wrong on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. Um, you know, like, so you've got, you know, like, and so like, they just keep going and it's just ridiculous. You're like the hypocrisy of it all, the <laughs> hypocrisy. Um, no, well, analysts, it's like, the thing is what would be hypocritical is truly if ad, like, and there might, there might be some, but none that jump off the top of my head, people that are like analysts. Um, so they're writing all this stuff saying, this is what you should do. And they don't play in any public leagues and they don't play in any like NFBC that that you could argue is kind of hypocritical because it's like it'd be like taking investment advice from someone that has no money in the stock market. 
Mm, right. Um, you could and, and in concept, you could argue that people, um, you know, like something like a Jim Cramer in concept is held accountable, although I don't get to see his returns. Right. Yeah. So, Good point. And like, I don't know if he really lost a bundle, but you know, when I, when Stanton goes down, you're like, oh man, Rudy, Rudy took that one on the chin. <laughs> he took that one probably worse than anyone. It's like, okay, like there's, there's accountability. And it's like, I can't deny it. Um, so, so yeah, well, I get the impulse. The, the reality is like, hey, there's mo- almost everyone I know who writes plays in leagues. Um, and then if if that matters to you, then you could prioritize who you listen to based on it. Um, it doesn't matter to a lot of people. And I mean, I'm a, I'm at you know I'm comfortable with that. We know that not everyone read draws ball um you know all, all we can say is that it's like we're pretty cu- we're pretty proud of how we do in the leagues um i don't think any any writers are more um competitive and when i say that like you know <laughs> really want to do well um than ours um but you know um someone's got to win someone's not going to win right and it's like Honestly, you just gotta, you know, like for everyone's mental health, it's like however they, however they, however they could etch and sketch losses. Right. If they, right. If they could do it, I'm like jealous because <laughs> I, I don't know what the, you know, like I, I mean, 2020, I was able to write off, but man, if I have, you know, like finishing in like in the back half of leagues, you know, it was, it had been pretty few and far between the, the last couple of years, like, oh, it just sucks. Um, uh, you know, so, and so, yeah, that, that's, it's, it's like a drive. Um, and yeah, when I'm doing a draft, trust me, if, if I, if I could write a post about it, that's like icing, right. I'm playing to win. I'm not like that. That's where it's like, gets all this conjecture, you know, like, oh, Absolutely. they're doing this to show off. And that's like, I've never seen that. I've never think that's the case. I think everyone's just trying to their best to win. Um, and if so, yeah, that's really stupid 100%. because, because yeah, you should just like winning is really nice. It, it's really easy to put that on your, you know, on your bio and stuff like that. And I'd much rather win a league than win some, some industry award, which I, which many deserve. I don't begrudge it, but it's like, that's subjective as fuck. I won. That ain't subjective. I won. Look at the standings. Right. You know, right. like. You know, um, and yeah, my winning is going to correlate much better to you winning than, you know, like, oh, than, than liking some post I wrote. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I love that point. But, like, yeah, I mean, you're playing to win the game, no matter like, yeah, and, the- and I get it. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, like, and I have a lot of respect um, for the NFBC players. I mean, like, yeah, those leagues are tough. Um, you know, putting money up. Sure. I mean, like there, there's some that just don't, I, I don't really have um, a dying uh, need to like play a ton of leagues or put up a lot of money. Right. Um, I have done, you know, I'll be doing main event again with a partner um, and some other leagues, but, um, but I, I don't like throwing money in, in people's face either. Like, right. you know, like saying, Oh, like 
the, the guy that's like, oh, well, if you believe it, put some money behind it. It's like, <laughs> you know, like what it should be as like a real, as like, we should be at the age, many of us, where it's just like, like I'm playing to win. Like, yeah, I'd rather win money in it, but, and like some money definitely makes it interesting, but of course, but we don't, you know, like your, your pride and your kind of competitiveness should kind of be like the number one thing. And, and yeah. And then basically anyone that could even, there's people who could put up the money and then it just like rolls off their back if they don't win. Then it's that, that's not the factor. The factor is like a lot of people at FBC are competitive bastards and I like that about them. Right. Right. And, um, and so I'll take that. It's like, and yeah, but, uh, and, you mentioned yeah, too, and, like and, and, and I could, and I could, I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone that's just like frustrated if they don't think anyone else and who's writing is as competitive as them. Right. I get, I'm, I'm with you. Right. Not, I, it's, I don't take it personal if you want to go after it. Cause I, if you think it's me, then that's, and hopefully I'll, I'll beat you in a league and then <laughs> well, and if you t- beat me, I'll tip my cap. Right, hundred percent. Like I mentioned, like you, you know, you said here's the historical leaderboard, you know, for a TGFBI. Here's the historical leaderboard for Tout Wars. So, yeah. right, is it, it shows, you know, like I said, if like you mentioned in the article, if you know, you could just run it down and see. All right, well, there, there, there's a, a handful of there's a there's definitely some. I think there's definitely some analysts that are that are as good as anyone in who plays fantasy baseball. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's, yeah. So tends to be cream rises. Right. Um, right. And yeah, it, you know, and it, it only gets a little harder every year, you know, everyone gets a little, little better, better. you know, one more Pearson subscribes to my thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm losing, you, you lose, you lose in this, yeah. Trying to find, keep these edges. Um, right. But, so yeah. you mentioned the uh, main event. Um, you're gonna get into main event this year. I see that in 2019, you were 13th overall, but only second in your league. Yeah, that's uh, um, wow. Is it Ned Donahoe? Um, uh, who plays under Puddle of Nud? I want to say. Okay. If I got that wrong, I, I apologize on the naming. Yeah, he had two teams, I think, in the top 12. That was real. That was uh. It was frustrating in that we got some extra. We got some of the overall money, mm-hmm. finishing thirteenth. But the difference between first and second is pretty notable. So right. we were the be- I think we were the the top second place team. We were like that. Uh, like that one year where like the Giants had a before they had wild cards where you'd have like a hundred wins and you'd finish in second and you get nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was. But yeah, that was that was my good main event experience. Yeah, we had we hit on a. Uh, yeah, we had some nice hits on that team. Uh, last year didn't go so well. Um, yeah, so for, for this year, yeah, I'll be playing with uh, Errol Thompson and doing a, um, I think for sure a main event. I know we'll see about an auction. And then I've got, um, I probably have one, I think I'm going to do that triple play. That I, the uh, So yeah, Vlad, Vlad psyched me up and coached me up a little bit on, um, 
the roto wire 350 championship yep i haven't yep. played 12 team in a while but neither have i <laughs> but the but um so yeah that that'll be an adjustment back but in concept I, sh- I should have more of an advantage in there than 15 team because of the tools so we'll we'll see but it, it there's uh i've really just played 15 team almost exclusively for a couple of years to you know I felt giving up 12 team really helped my game. Um, but with 12, like going, bouncing with 12 and 15 is its own, I mean, challenge. It'll probably be one where um, I'll, I'll pretty much throw out all, my, like, I think there's certain things like in this round, I draft this, that as this preseason goes on, stick in your head more. Uh, it could be like, I draft reliever. I want a reliever in the seventh or eighth round. And that's a 15 team way of thinking. I don't know what it would be in 12 team. Right. So I literally have to like read a new board, which is not ideal, but you know, eh, I'll give it, I'd like to give that a try uh, of the Raz slam and I'll do a cut line as well. I have not done well in that format. We have, I got a, Maybe I have to mind meld. One of our subs does really well. Curtis Jones, I think, does really well. Cujo, yes, I had him on my show, Cujo. Yeah. Yeah, um, he does really well. So, I don't know. I I mean, I, I'd like I, – I don't – yeah, well, Raz Slam started last year, and I'm, like I said, I don't um, – I'm throughout 2020, but I don't think I've done well in cut line. And I don't know – I don't pretend to know exactly why. Um, I'll just chalk it up to variants, and we'll – do two of them this year and see how that goes. But I like that because I don't have to set leagues. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, and uh, yeah, I had to be, I definitely a little worried about doing a 12, the, do the, I think the, the 12 team NFBC one is definitely, um, you're, it just requires you to be more active in fab. Right. I don't take a week off, but there's definitely, um, but it's almost like with, 12 team you kind of almost always have to be churning um because there's just so you know so no but that'll be fun yeah so that i think i'll end up with all that and i still have a tout wars draft i think that's tuesday this tuesday that's at the obp which is always fun Mm -hmm. um yeah and you completed labor right recently yeah labor yeah labor is always done like done around feb 15 uh, every year and that so that that that's really like where i'm setting that's like my first draft every year um in concept it'd be like seemingly be great for me to be drafting in january and it just doesn't work out that way i've right. always got yeah i mean i'm i've i've basically burned out from football by late december mm-hmm. um and it's like and like using that Chris, you know, the, the holiday time to recharge. And then it's like, ideally having like some, something ready for MLK by MLK day. And then the iterating process. And I, I think what I like to do is just like, I think once you start looking at a draft board, once you do a draft, you, things are solidifying and I don't want anything. So I don't want right. to, I want to, I want to stay a more, I mean, the one thing that always surprised me on some of the, and it, it's come, it's maybe even more so in football, but it happens in baseball too. Is like, I, I really need an off season. 
I, I find no value in doing this, doing a, a sport for 12 months a year. So I don't, I don't really have an off season. I have an off season for baseball, but then I'm on football. Um, but um, I, I think you need to recharge. I don't think it's for, at least for me, it's not healthy to be thinking baseball, like when the regular season's over, aside from maybe watching a world series game, like thinking it like early drafting, November, December. Well, I'm just, you know, like, I think some think that by sticking around then you don't lose any insights. Right. And for me, the process is actually different. It's about like forgetting everything um, and coming back really fresh perspective, looking at teams. Um, and you could, I could see it with certain, you know, like how maybe the, the, the fresh perspective, like there'll be certain guys that I'll see other guys rank differently and be like, no, no, I know they played that guy, but it ain't going to happen again. Right. Um, you know, and that, I mean, like the Toronto situation might be a good example where it's like once they signed like Springer and it's like, okay, well, maybe it took a little time to adjust down to Les and it's like, and a little time to download, to knock Grichik a bit. And it's like, oh, I don't know why T Oscar is getting drafted that high. It's like Grichik's pretty good. Pretty he's, good. Not a, he's not really a fourth outfielder. Um, you know, like he's going to get some playing time. Right. It's like Springer ain't sitting unless he's hurt. So then right. you start going through all this stuff. And, but if you're thinking from 2020, you're kind of fixated on those stats. And it's just like, I faintly remember T Oscar had, it was good. Right. And I mean, and I'll, and then I'll, I'll load up from there. But um, yeah, I, I need to just get away. It's, um, I feel like, yeah, that the preseason alone, uh, yeah, like is, um, yeah, by end of March, I'm pretty ground down just from the preseason load. Um, and then, and then it's just like the regular season and trying to, to withstand all the, uh, to, or, um, keep fab burnout at bay. Um, so, yeah, so I don't, I mean, yeah, baseball and football, even though football, I'm not really playing many leagues. I don't, or I try to play zero. Um, just doing projections alone is a lot. Right. Uh, and re- so, um, I don't know. I don't I know. Think, how people, I don't I know how people do that. I, I just, I think it's also not just burnout, but I, you know, my love is finite. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't love fantasy baseball 12 months a year. I really don't like it October to December. I right. just like, I don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, and then, um, well, but every year, you know, come Jan one, it, it always comes back. Um, so that's good. Right. Yeah. I, I, I got involved early this year for the first time ever, really. And I feel burnt out hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, cause March is what, yeah, I, I get, I just feel like, yeah, um, um, I need that time to learn and, and the free agency and everything like that. Like there's the other thing of like, you start, you do it earlier and then you've got to redo a, a decent amount of work. Right. I mean, you know, that, so yeah. Um, just like, yeah, for football, I don't care. I don't know if you play football, but like, I don't want to, I don't care at all until at least the draft because the, the draft's going to change 
a whole bunch of things with teams. So yes. w- once the draft starts, I get people might, you know, our guys will write about, could write about football. I'm not touching football projections once <laughs> the drafts there. And yeah, for baseball, that, that mental date for me is Jan one. I've never been able to, and steamers like great steamers got projections up and fan graphs. will post them up in October. I'm like, Right. And, and you know what it was for me too? I was, I was getting involved in baseball in, in December and because basketball got pushed back, I was yeah. getting ready for basketball at the same time where um, it was, it was a lot. And, uh, but I think I'm giving up football next year completely and just doing basketball and baseball. So, yeah. More yeah, enjoyable no, for me. Uh, football, I don't yeah, find for it playing, I could only really do play baseball. Um, I do like football, like weekly fantasy pro contest. That's right. That's about that. That's and yeah, just football is a weekly process is, is, is its own little grind. And then, yeah, basketball, I just do the projections, but I don't play. I, um, yeah, you've got to really manage that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I definitely don't. Yeah, I mean, my goal is like for like main event which would be like mid late March is when I'm peaking and when I'm just in like, um, not, not robotic mode, but just, um, in a certain Zen state where I've got, I don't even have to look at the notes anymore. Um, but I, I've just got a, a feel for things like the, the feel that it's like, I don't have to look at the numbers, but that I feel by the end of the draft, I've got my hit pitch balance where I want it to be. Um, cause that, that's, a, it's a, not the easiest thing to track during a draft. So it's right. good to have just a good feel for that. Um, yeah, I could see if I started in December it, yeah. it, or if I, or if I just drafted more in Jan or Feb. Right. And that's a, like, yeah, so I, I've got my process. Yeah. It's like tip of the cap to those with the, with who could who do it earlier and if they have success with it great do a 40 dcs in already yeah there's people that play i mean like there's yeah people with huge yeah i mean like just even doing it doesn't even matter the time that when you start like i mean draft these draft champions leagues like i mean it's just all the leagues like a draft just takes a little out of you right i mean <laughs> um and then and then running like multiple it's not like yeah, there's a certain scale to it. And I, I've got, ev- I've got everything done in a pretty good process. It's like still a lot. Right. It's still a lot. Um, so. Absolutely. So I'm just taking a look at your team here from labor. I really like what you put together here. Um, I love a ton of the picks. Um, talk to me about Jimenez. Do you think he's going to start off in the majors or you think he's um, going to start off in the minors and come, come up? Well, I, I'm feeling better with the new with with when they noted the uh, that uh, there's no triple A for three for the first month. Right. Absolutely. Um, it there just is no reason to put him in the minors. I mean, I Rosario is Rosario. No one's overpaying for this guy. He can't do anything in Cleveland that's going to really change the fact that he's not a good glove, and he's a mad bat and shortstop's never been deeper. Mm-hmm. So if someone really needs a shortstop, they'll give a little for him, but I don't. Um, so, and other, aside from featuring Rosario to give him up, right. versus just what I think he should be doing is l- 
teach him to be a multi-position guy forever. You know, you, you never know. I mean, there, I mean, certainly it gave a second life to Marwin Gonzalez. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, Eduardo Escobar really uh, started there. Um, I felt like he had like a, he ended up at third base, but he was playing second. He had second short outfield with Minnesota at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so otherwise, like, there's no reason not to just start him and as start him basically every game. Cause, and um, I think he's got plus speed. I think he has, uh, he's pretty, I mean, I'd argue like there's only three guys I think could get to 40 stolen bases that foreseeable. I mean, Mondesi's one. Mondesi's definitely a class of his own. I think Jimenez has potential to do it and that Cleveland's a really good squad and opportunity to do it. Um, And I mean, the third would be like Trey Turner, but I, I, I I think he'll be closer to 30 this year. There's there every year that goes by, there's just a little less reason um, because he gets to be a little bit better of a hitter. Um, So yeah, you get Jimenez with, with second short third eligibility, you know, and, 10th 11th 12th round i mean i know i think his adp's crept up since then i think i want to got i got him the 11th in that draft and now yep i mean I, I think he got i mean he went around there in my last two drafts um but i felt like i overpaid for him i, I felt like in labor like he was a 13th round adp guy and i took him the 11th because i just looked at him and go this team he, he was like the uh he was like a unicorn on the draft board and I couldn't. So sometimes when there's like a, a guy that like, when you're down to like one guy that could really fit for the skills going up a round or two is not the worst thing in the world. Right. But, just, but there should only, there's not many cases where that really should apply. I'd say speed is definitely one. I didn't want, you know, I think I added Tapia uh, or I know I added Tapia, yep. um, but I didn't really want, want um, a Victor Reyes type. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think Miles Straw is a nice, uh, if you don't have to spend a lot, I'm open. There is a chance he hits leadoff. I don't, I mean, I could believe it with Dusty. It just seems kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> given, you know, like there's other guys, I mean, they have plenty. I mean, you put Bregman up there, Brantley. Um, I mean, it's just crazy, but, um, Altuve, I mean that—that right. that, that was my initial thing. That Altuve just go hit lead off, but um, yeah, but I—I I, I mean, yeah. So a big fan of Jimenez at this value. It's like, and if he doesn't pan out, trust it's not going to hurt you as much as if Mondesi doesn't. You take him right. in second. Great point. Um, right. I mean, I—I I, I think if I, I'm not so yeah, and I, I'd basically put combine compare the two and basically say like. The only difference is I'd probably put Mondesi at maybe he's at ten to fifteen more stolen bases, which is something. Right, it is. But just knowing that it's like they both have risks of implosion, mm-hmm. and that you know they're both not great in the other categories. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'd much rather take that risk in the tenth or eleventh. I agree. Um, as a Met fan and watching him all last year, he's he's a he's he's a ball player. You know, he's he's he should be on that field from day one. He'll probably yeah. be their second yeah. best position player immediately. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, well, I like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the only thing that, that's a I, I, yeah, and I, Sorry, I don't have them set up to hit like early in the lineup. I do think that three of the top four are pretty locked with Joe Ram, Rosario, and Fran Mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I hope so, based on the way I'm drafting. Um, but yeah, but even if Jimenez hits like seventh, I mean, yeah. if anything, that should just make them run more. And they, there's certainly opportunities in there because they do have they have their dead weight. I mean, I, they really they there's really no outfield bats there, right? Besides no, Rosario, besides yep, absolutely. Um, and I'm not. I mean, yeah, and you, yeah, you could see how Cesar Hernandez would find his way. Right. Into, so yeah. you could see Cesar Hernandez being one of the in the top four, and then everything else is like Meh. super fluid. I mean, I don't, I don't even know who's the fifth hitter on that team. Naylor. Naylor, yeah, that's right, Josh Naylor. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Question marks. But yeah. Um, talk to me about Austin Riley. I have a lot of Austin Riley this year. I've heard some recent talk about people being scared that the Jake Lamb signing is going to affect him. What do you think about that? No, I mean, like, they're, I mean, Riley's like came up as a top prospect. Um, you know, he had a really hot start, but the K rate was atrocious. Um, and the thing is, like, I, I think, like, if the second year is huge for that. Um, and it came – and sometimes, yeah, so Chris Bryant was an example of a guy that had a massive K rate. He came up, he was a – he struck out a lot. He looked like he was going to be a power hitter, a pure power hitter, low average. And, yeah, he, he really morphed into something different. I mean, he mo- – he should have stopped morphing at some point because he, <laughs> he didn't end up very well in 2020. But um, the um, but Riley's K rate went down a lot, and you could see. I mean, you don't have to see him hit that often to know like the power is real, right? Um, and yeah, it does seem like if there's any bias I have in drafting, and but I think it's also there in the projections, and it actually it, it's it's less a bias and more just my eyes are more open to it or. I'm, a more vocal about is like, man, you like having a couple of guys with plus power is really nice. Right. Um, and that, you know, like you can trust, I'm not going to trust the kettle Marte's to hit 30 homers. Right. Like, you know, that with the, you know, like, and you can see it in stats, but you kind of know that the guys are hitting a lot of, you know, getting fortunate on the homers, the guys you can count on that. There's to me, like, where he's going in drafts, like, yeah, Riley's really intriguing, although he's in a pocket, you know, with right now with Justin Turner and Josh Donaldson, I think all right. three are really good values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Turner, you're trading in some power for average, but yeah, which, so I think that's a wonderful place to, to, to grab a third baseman in how I'm drafting, but Riley. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's poised to, hit 30 plus homers and hit respectable on average because he's gotten this contact contact rate down. Um, and if Jake lamb is just garbage, so I'm not worried. About I know. It. I mean, <laughs> there was the time, you know, like, I, I mean, I just hope that is, I, I don't know as I, I haven't looked up as much on his glove, but it, it, it would seem odd to me for them to, to mess around with Riley at this point. It's cause it's, this is like year three. You know, like, and I feel like they, they already just, they did the commitment last year. 
Um, you know, and he made the he made the positive adjustments. There's guys where, you know, you, you've really got to be open to it. Um, you know, I feel like there's, I want to think like Michael Franco that never really made the full ad, the adjustments he needed to, which right. I think he was more launch angle. Um, but yeah, I, I think when the guy makes the adjustment, you can believe it. And Absolutely. and then there's little things that the the projection systems do that I think are good that yeah that your K rate's gonna go down a bit is your second year it's it's um and and account for things that are harder for other um for for people to fully see. So I think there's some biases that that get mixed in there. So yeah. Right. So yeah. But I, I think I got I did not get him I might have a chance in one of my two leagues right now. Um I have to but I know I got I know I took I did get Turner because uh, Riley went on a turn and I was not uh, pleased. But, <laughs> I know. But, but Turner is like, I mean, I have Turner ranked higher in my thing. I just, I needed the power. Um, right. I, I'm not waiting to the 13th round to, to solidify average. It's, it's solid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I might just be stingy about giving it back like massively. Right. Like I just, good point. I don't want, um, a Joey Gallo, Gary Sanchez type. Right. It just, it's just not pretty much like the magical thing I said earlier. I don't want manager Rudy doesn't want like a 200 hitter and like to, you know, to, to have that kind of drag down, even though statistically I could make art. There's definitely arguments for it. It's just more of a preference. Got it. Cool. Awesome. I like to hear about Ryrie. Um, all right. So I want to wrap this up by you giving me a batter and a pitcher that's going past three ADP 300 right now that you think will make the biggest impact on rosters this year. Man. Um, yeah. I've never seen this in the notes and you know, like I got, I'm, I'm, I'm looking now cause the things change so much. Right. Right. There were definitely uh, guys. I, I got past the 20th round in, in one draft. But I'm not convinced. So right now, yeah, I'm looking at. So, looking down here, Yuli Gurriel is 301. Right, that's crazy. I have um, so many spots. I mean, so many, so many first base. I mean, like, I mean, that's just a good pump play. But whether he'll be super valuable is kind of hard to say. Um, oh, I mean, like, yeah, he's still down here. Yeah, Jake McGee. Um, I, I don't see how for what he's getting paid, he's not the giants closer. Right. Um, I mean, it's not like, uh, I'm not that worried about the manager. I think, and I think, yeah, I think McGee could do well. He's in a, it's a, obviously a good park. Um, so I'm, I think, I mean, the closer situations are, um, there it's tough to, like that one, I feel really good on. Um, there's other ones where there's there's guys past pick 300 that um, are completely worth taking lottery tickets on. Um, I took, you know, Adafino and Pagan were two I took in uh, in labor because um, mm-hmm. I don't really think Barnes, um, Pomeranz, and Melanson uh, really have that much of an edge. Right. Um, especially once you're looking past me the first week or two doesn't take much um they if those guys are pitching like they can 
they're arguably the the best pitchers in their pens. Um, I mean, Gurriel would be a cheat. He's at like three hundred one. Um, and I'll be honest, yeah, that that. Um, And it's it's kind of drugs, um, and I'm, I'm I'm always pretty bare. I'll tell you the um, it's yeah maybe it won't be the biggest thing, but uh, I think Justin's or Jonathan Scope is buried. Mm. Um, to yeah. me, there's there's two guys that if you there's two rewards or um, if you punt or if you stock up on average and you want to just secure power later. Um, to me, like DeJong's one, um, and he, he's a real tough one to figure out where he's going to go. I saw him just go in the 13th round in one draft. Um, it might be a small sample, but he, but I mean, his swing goes from 183, which would be 12th round to 252, which is like 18th round. And he's, and he's like a pretty good 2585 bet. Yeah, you know, there's really not much to hate on Dijon if you've set up your average correctly. So he doesn't give you a little speed, but you're getting him so late. You know, like um, I like and I, so Dijon's what, but Scope, I think, is I mean, he's been a very good hitter, um, not a great batting average. He's got some pop. Um, I mean, he's definitely a guy like for like a draft champions league. Cause I think that's when you're, when you're thinking down here in draft champions, it's like, yeah, it's really good to have that. I don't know. Like, let's say him as your fourth MI, um, who could obviously fill in at util if you need. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think that we're, and I'm imagine, you know, if you have a team with Jimenez mm-hmm. and then you're backing up with scope and then even if it's 20 games, you know, scope hitting two or something in that lineup, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a, that, that would be kind of a boring, non-sexy pick. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, but I'll be honest with you, yeah, I tend, I, and I've probably know, but yeah, my, uh, manager self is not a fan of, of rookies. I've, I've had, right. I have not had a lot of luck with it. I think they suck up bench spots. Um, and I'll take, I'll take my chances in most years. I don't think I had to this year. Um, and I'm wondering if, let me look if, yeah, Aaron Hicks has crept up. Yeah. I, I, I was, I think, um, even now he's at 270. Um, that in third, Boom, that's what that, yeah, that, that, that certainly is going to move him up. I mean, I got him in like 20th round, I want to say in labor. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, aside from like average, I mean, he's, he's good. I mean, that health could be an issue but that's at that round that's not much so i mean you look at if you look at him at 270 what else is going around him and you see kyle seager um i mean like a brandon nemo i mean brandon nemo's fine i mean um i'd rather have hicks because i'm yeah i think hicks all better playing time and stuff like that um another just way of looking sometimes looking at these things you kind of like there's a lot of good decent fourth and fifth outfield opportunities down down in this part. there really is I so that. i mean yeah don't yeah it is tough not to fill up on outfielders and every time you do it's like Mother you'll be fucker. like in the second <laughs> exactly you were like 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, now granted, I, I kind of only, I don't, I wouldn't want Nemo and Hicks on my team. And I mean, there's other guys down here that are like, certainly have something, but I, I do like, uh, for some reason, I have a soft spot for like a 20th round um, veteran outfitter. It's almost like the Danny Glover spot, like just like, yeah, they, they're still, they're still doing well. Um, they might only have one good year left or it's like, they're, um, <laughs> but I've had the, the weirdest, I mean, I've had weird luck with that. I've anything from like Carlos Beltran with, uh, is it the Cardinals? Like whatever his last good year was, um, so many years of Shinsu Chu. Oh yeah. Uh, especially in OBP leagues. And that's where like Hicks actually is, well, Hicks and Nemo, um, are definitely good there. I'll, I'll see where they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I. Um, double up with Hicks in, in the Tau draft on Tuesday with OBP. Right. Yeah, I've been I've been getting a whole bunch of Brian Reynolds in that area. In that, you know, uh, the two, he like the he, two. he disappointed. He's on my he was on my Festivus list. <laughs> I he was he was up there. I draft. I, I really liked him last year. He was a uh, he was one of the few average bright spots, batting right. average bright spots you can get in that tenth to fifteenth round last year. But, and I mean, I'd be back in on them, except for the fact that, yeah, it's, it's um, obviously uh, there's, there's a lot more question right now as to yeah. what his talent level is. And sure. the and that offense is, just, it's a bad stadium. The offense is not, there's just not a lot to be excited about in Pittsburgh. Definitely um, not. That's yeah. Sure. I keep, yeah. So what keep about a guy? On it, oh, good. Ben. But no, but yeah. So I was just looking again at one or two other players because, yeah, the Pittsburgh is a team that you could really um, becomes more interesting after the 30th round. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden it's like your depth plays. It's like, tell me more about this Cole Tucker guy. I remember <laughs> it. I remember blowing fab on him and he didn't work out. And are we sure Kevin Newman might not get to play? Are we sure? But Adam Frazier plays two are, positions. Are, Newman, are Kevin Newman and Kevin Kramer, are they friends still? <laughs> yeah. So many questions about the Pirates. Oh, my God. Stay away. What about guys in the top 100? Is there anyone you see in the top 180P that besides uh, many, you know, some like injury risk guy like a, like a Lamette that everyone would take everyone takes when i answer this question everyone says lament so if you have another oh, answer no besides oh no i think <laughs> i think the biggest landmine and i guess this is less because it the first six rounds or so i mean everyone's getting good players it's easier to begrudge pitchers um and yeah any reliever you're taking there is to me is pretty high risk Mm-hmm. Um, especially like Liam Hendricks, just because the track record might not be fully there. Um, but the guy that goes in the first six rounds that I'm like, I, I just don't think good draft strategy is Nolan Arenado because um, he's going from Colorado to St. Louis. Right. And when you, when you normalize his stats and you could account, do all you want about the hangover effects and stuff like that. Um, he's, he's a good hitter, (laughs) but, but like, I would, I mean, I think it's a little higher because he's hitting cleanup, but I'll be honest. I don't think there's much difference between Arenado and that Turner Donaldson Riley group. Right. 
And that 13th round, um, I, I might have Turner a little higher that, um, yeah, that because it, it's we're when you dig into it, and I think it's um, fortuitous to anyone who's who would follow who thinks like me or would listen to me that people are feeling different. They compare feel like comparing him to LeMahieu and uh, Holiday, and the reality is when you dig into it, like he, he's nothing like them. Right. He, he's a, he's definitely a better he was definitely a better homer hitter. Um. Those guys, if anything, were just very good hitters. I, I mean, the LeMahieu, who the hell knows? That, that is so weird that he, he became he, – he, he elevated outside of there. But, like, their line drive hitters, they didn't need cores. People who need cores are guys that hit a lot of fly balls, hit pop-ups that find their way in dink for a single. That's Arenado. Um, great fielder. I mean, he could still be valuable. But like seeing him in the third, fourth round is just like nonsensical. Um, I mean, and I hope, I hope for um, the sake of all that's just, those they're completely punished with a boring <laughs> like two sixty twenty five homer season. That that's and like that that, that and they realize yeah that the error of their ways. Um, because if he hits like if he hits like two eighty or something and thirty home, oh my god, it's gonna be like people are like, oh, I told you. That's but yeah. You can come back on that one. You yeah, don't draft Arenado. It's uh, I, it's so obvious. I don't. Yeah. And yeah, that the reality is, yeah, I I do tend to. There's definitely cases where I may disagree with. Um, other projections and stuff like that but usually like if there's cases where we're all adamant it's, it's probably something to it right. and yeah when you it's it's insane when you dig in the park factors and you look through the stuff and you're like oh yeah yeah your perception of this guy is completely different just like it happens too with um pitchers i i would say other guys um uh, i seem to be the only rasballer that's not in on ryu um, it's like he's pitched mostly he's pitched in Dodger stadium and he had 50 innings last year. Like right. I, I did. I, and I'd extend it to my I, I don't, it's, um, it's not a, um, not being racist or anti-Asian and the, but those, those two guys, both, um, they're in their thirties. So they're not young. The Dodgers, they, they pitched in, wonderful Dodger stadium that had to move to AL with DH and yeah, to me like Ryu small sample size. And I think he had, I think he had a little bit of luck with schedule. He never, I don't think he pitched in Yankee stadium or Fenway. Um, we'll see with Ryu, but I, I don't, I, I see him, but it, it's odd that I saw him as a 10th to 12th round starting pitcher in the Dodgers. And now he's a fifth rounder in, Hey, at least that doesn't make there's mm. a certain part and he's in his 30s he doesn't throw fast like think about it and yeah Maeda he couldn't he couldn't go um I mean he te- they they kind of uh babied him a bit in LA it was always like let's not stretch Maeda too much we might be maybe use him in the pen during the during uh October I don't think the Dodgers are dumb 
he what he did last year is he ramped up sliders. No duh, yeah, that that's the one trick certain pitchers with good sliders can do. He, he, he's going to go that do that for 170 innings. I mean, like I, I'm, yeah, and so yeah, I'm I'm wary on all of a sudden that these guys are uh, are that 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 fifth round type of pitcher where. I mean, the projections aren't like my projections aren't that far from it. Right. But th- that that was ones where I'd made hedge a little on my eight innings. Yeah. Um, because of just that feeling like, and he's like 34, 35. It's like, yeah, things, but um, yeah. Like how you put that though with, with, with the context of, you know, of the division and you know him pitching at dodger stadium and that round Our difference team. yeah it's yeah, really yeah when you put it that way you really you know you really like wow like yeah it I, doesn't really make sense well it's weird. i mean i drafted I, i've drafted a lot of ryu and maeda over the years in like the 10th to 15th round because they pitched in dodger stadium and they were they had solid skill right. but yeah so that so the nature should be they go down. Right. And so that I would argue it's like, I mean, you could make it where you had that wonderful last year in Dodger Stadium. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, yeah. I, it, I mean, all power to the someone if you're going to start him in Fenway and Yankee Stadium. That, right. that, that, that's a, and because uh, I don't think he's going to be able to dodge them like he did uh, last year. And at that point, you don't want to start, you know, having your fifth round pitcher out of your lineup every time he's got to go face it's, the Yankees. I mean, it, it's certainly, yeah. I mean, we haven't really had to think about it much with Toronto right. and Baltimore pitchers of late. Um, I mean, and yeah, but it, it, it never, it didn't keep me up at night with Snell, but the thing is Snell's a, a, a swing and miss guy. Right. Um, and try hitting him after the fifth inning. He's he's untouchable. <laughs> uh, the uh, but uh, but yeah, and that, like so, it's like ooh, a field pitcher, in the AL East, mm. maybe. Mm. Uh, uh, not <laughs> that, that that's the kind of guy uh, I'd like to get later in drafts. Right. So yeah, that's so. I named, I named four. Well, I, I avoided Lamette and I named three. I love it. You did the um, best so far in this contest that I've been holding. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Rudy. I'm not going to keep you any longer. I like this. Darvish. I'm not against Asian pitchers. Just just those that go from <laughs> Dodger Stadium. Um, and I'm sure there's others. I like it. It's just not coming to, uh, to mind. Right. But, yeah, any guy right after the Dodgers, bad. To try to try – to, or ever. If, if it's right after the Dodgers, but it's going to be a 60 game season, go for it. <laughs> and next year, sell. Fantastic. Rudy, thanks for joining me, man. Just plug your where you find you on Twitter and all your work again. So the listeners know where you can find you and where they can yeah. up their game this year to ultimate uh, success. At, yeah. So at Rudy Gamble on Twitter, um, Raswell.com slash subscriptions, you can see what we offer. Uh, for the preseason, it comes with a free Google Sheets draft tool uh, that Rob is using. I use uh, all the Raswell writers use a lot of it. Um, 
and it's just kind of the added value bonus on top. But on the site, rasball.com slash player raider, you can see that would be last year's player raider. All preseason rankings, projections on the site are free. Um, there's a trade analyzer, player pages where you could see um, a few unique things like what a guy does, uh, righty versus lefty. Like I project a full season if he just faced lefties versus righties. And it gives you a, a better idea of like, oh, is this a guy even, uh, is this a guy I swap out? Like, is this a lefty hitter that I don't play if there's two lefties? in the right. next four days Got um, it. as you're planning your team. So check out the player pages. I think there's some stuff there that you're not going to see in fan graphs, clearly vice versa. There's stuff they have that I don't. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. There's a long podcast. huh? That's good. I love it. I got a whole wealth of knowledge and I love it. <laughs> uh, making me smarter every time I sit down and talk with someone. So I appreciate your time too. Never mind how long the podcast is. I, I, I'm sorry. I took off so much time in your life. <laughs> I mean, eh, I'm in cent- central time zone. So it's, it's, it's good. This is, there's a lot more unwinding than anything else. Yeah. So it forced me from looking at my teams, hopefully, uh, which was, which was good. It's been like a couple of days straight of looking at those teams. I know. I've got my draft board on the side right here, and I've been on yeah, the I, I, I'm a, I pulled away from my second monitor, so I couldn't yeah, focus on kid. it. But I do feel like one's coming up. Uh, fucking starting pitching after the, that 10th to 15th round is just awful. It is. It really is. I don't know. I think, I think this, is, um, this might be a draft I actually get in one of those uh, Cleveland pitchers. Are yeah. you a Savali or a Tristan McKenzie guy, if you had to choose? Uh, I go Shivali only because I don't think McKenzie's going to last the whole season. He, yeah, he's he he didn't he didn't put on twenty pounds of muscle to get up to one fifty to one fifty. Oh, fuck it. I opened I opened up the the, the new Topps baseball card. I, I bought some packs and oh my god, he, there's this picture of him on his card, and I'm like, it doesn't even look real. I, I, yeah, I, I, like I gotta... you turn you turn the card ninety degrees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Tristan McKenzie. <laughs> It's pretty fascinating. Just uh, stick a head on top. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's there. I mean, yeah, I have to look at Savali again, but it, it it seems like one where, um, yeah, this draft seems to. Uh, these guys seem to be left on the board at a a decent spot. Like they already took Stroman and. Um, I like like Evaldi in that range. If you know, I, I, yeah, he's still on the board. I I mean, I just got I got him in labor. So I let, you know, like feels like I could wait a little bit on him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I might, I might have to double tap anyway. So it's like, eh. uh, man, that, that labor pitching staff is boring as fuck. <laughs> uh, it's like, so I'm trying to like, you know, ha- get a it, but it's tough. I, I, I really, I don't think there's really any great values. These in, in like the, like, I mean, like, I mean, the guy Eovaldi, they're always oh, he like, got my my um my most owned player this year, and Mike Miner. I, and I mean, that's just the <laughs> it's just brutal. It's just not <laughs> exciting at all. No, but I know. <laughs> I just, I, but yeah, I, I think I'm less, I'm a little less passionate than most on like the pitching, and just like, I think yeah, it's just such crapshoot, right? Um, and. 
yeah, it'll be an interesting year. I'd, um, I, I'm just shocked how proliferate, pro, how much pocket aces is proliferated. Right. Um, because I, it, it certainly feels like something that loses its efficacy the more people that do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've that. got, I mean, you're you're trying to catch up on offense, and there's other guys who are doing the same. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, we shall see on that. But yeah, yeah. it's it, it. But that it's proliferated down to like TGFBI, which I feel is like not. It's like several tiers down from NFBC. And there's a. Are you playing in it? I am. Yeah. I so am. how's your draft going? I'm. I drafting out of the sixth spot where I haven't been all year. Been on the ends and. Yeah. I I start I did start off with the pocket aces and um, I I actually drafted completely different than I've been drafting all year. Uh, I did pretty much everything you you said not to do in this whole podcast. No, <laughs> but I got yeah. I got two catchers in the top ten. I got two closers in the top ten, and and I went with the Grom and Scherzer. Um, but and now I'm just pounding bats as much as I can. But like you said, catching up, basically. Yeah. Oh wow! Ooh, I got 18 minutes on this one. Doesn't the clock stop by now? Two two a.m. Two a.m. Eastern. Two a.m. Eastern. Okay. Oh, so I got another hour. Okay. Yeah. So I got I got to get on these. Uh, I'm on the clock on both my. Go ahead. Things. Get on the clock, Rudy. Go All do right. your thing. Thanks for having. Uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. I really appreciate your time. Oh no problem, man. Thanks. Uh, all right. Take care. Have a good night, man. You too. Alrighty, folks, that will conclude this episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I know this one ran a little long, but Rudy, um, I wasn't going to stop him from talking. It's good to get inside everyone's brains, and I feel like the best conversation and uh, a lot of the meat of the episode, some good nuggets falling, those long-winded answers as Rudy was uh, apologizing for it. But, um, but yeah, um, hope you can extract some good information from here and use the projections as as well as you can in your evaluations if you choose to use them at all. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Remember to leave a rating and review if you can on Apple Podcasts um, or whatever pl- platform allows you to leave a rating or review. You could screenshot that review and send it over to me on Twitter at DeadPullHitter or at PullHitterPod. And I'll make sure to get some swag out to you guys. And yeah, keep, keep getting at it. Keep burying your head in the books and... Get ready for these draft seasons. You want to knock it out of the park this year and kick some ass. And so, with that being said, smarten up and don't be a bag of shit. <laughs>